We had 637 Bible campers. Uh, our first day camp, uh, we had over 50 kids, which was a new record for us. So we were so thankful for that. Mandy Langstaff from Grayson, Kentucky, she was the dean of that week. We sold out. We were having to call volunteers last minute just to, to make sure we had enough kids to adults ratio. But we were just so thankful for that. We sold out a middle school one week, and we sold out a paintball week. So any of you parents, grandparents looking at signing your kids up, I encourage you guys to make sure and go ahead and look at start doing that because we do sell out, and hopefully we're going to get to the point where we sell out every week and the camp is just full at all times. This past summer we had 13 baptisms, and I know you guys haven't maybe necessarily been to the camp, haven't been to the camp in a long time, but you guys play a role in that even if you don't think you do. You guys send monthly mission support that helps us keep the facilities running. And so each church that supports us, the you know key volunteers that we have, everyone plays a small role in keeping this organization moving and spreading the gospel. So I just want to applaud you guys for helping us throughout the, all these years. Um, you know, in 13 baptisms, I don't know about you guys, but that gets me excited. Is that not what we're here for, is to spread the gospel, teach, preach, and baptize? So I don't know about you guys, but that just gives me goosebumps. That gets me excited. That makes me remember why I love doing what I do. So a couple of ways that you guys can continue to support camp. Send your kids to summer camp. We have retreats throughout the whole year that you guys can send them to. Um, I know it's a little bit of a drive, but uh, it's a beautiful drive. I love living in West Virginia. I'm originally from Oklahoma, so seeing mountains and rolling hills is a beautiful sight to me, not just flat. You know, you watch your dog run away for three days in Oklahoma, so um, it's nice to be up here. Um, Regular, you know, church mission support, you guys already do that. Uh, Volunteers and resources. uh, If you guys are interested in sending your kids to camp but worried about, like, They've never been away from home, you know, for over a night. They've never been this far away from home. You guys, if you have the time and are willing, you guys can go to camp with them. You can be a volunteer. Um, You know, I think it's something special to be able to witness your kid growing spiritually, you know, at a church camp where the Holy Spirit is working in so many different people. So if you are interested in that, yes, grandparents, parents, whoever you are, you are able to sign up, be a volunteer, go help inspire other kids. I grew up in a household, and we, I grew up on a 1,600-acre ranch in Oklahoma. We had cows, we had chicken houses, all that stuff. And the top two priorities at my house growing up was work, and then we'd go play sports. Sports was a big thing in my family. Church, down here. So, naturally, as a kid growing up, I didn't know Christ. Yeah, I go to church and play some games and stuff with some friends every now and then, but it wasn't you know, a priority to me. And guess what? Whenever I went, first went to college, guess what still wasn't a priority to me? Going to church. So it took me moving all the way to Kentucky Christian to play football where I actually developed a relationship with Christ. And I would encourage you guys, parents, grandparents, if you are involved in a kid's life, please do not make that mistake. Please get involved and pour into these kids spiritually because once you start getting older, it's a lot more difficult to make that decision um, to, you know, to turn your life over to Christ. And I would just encourage you guys, do what you can. Send them to camp. Get them involved here at the church doing whatever. You guys did a great job this morning just doing the dance stuff, fun stuff like that to interact with these kids because they are the future of the church. 
50 years, they're going to be the ones leading this church. They're going to be in the same spot that you guys are in. So we need to make sure that we invest in them. I see too many churches I go to in the Huntington area, Ohio, any of these places, they're down to 8 to 10 people in their church. And I don't know about you guys, but that's a scary thought to think about all these churches dying at a rapid rate. So there is something that we can do, and it's invest in our kids and raise them and teach them to have a relationship with Christ. So, like I said, Austin Archie, Howell's Mill Christian Assembly. Been here once before. Um, Normally when I go to churches, they will let me do the camp update, maybe talk to the kids. They normally don't let me preach. I'm not sure why. But it's normally okay with me because I'm usually pretty uncomfortable standing up here speaking. Uh, You know, just speaking in public is not something that I'm necessarily strong at. My wife, she's about to finish her doctorate and, you know, she could literally stand up here and talk for three hours and not have to, you know, not have to have a single note, could just speak. And I'm so jealous of that. But uh, I have yet to get to that point. And you may ask, like, well, how do you work at a church camp and not like public speaking? Well, me and Tim, we have a deal worked out where if he does a lot of the public speaking and a lot of the, you know, announcements and stuff like that, I go clean toilets. I do the nasty work that he doesn't want to do. So honestly, I'm getting pretty tired of cleaning toilets. So I said, I've got to do something. I've got to get better at public speaking um, just because I'm tired of doing that. So this morning, I'm definitely getting out of my comfort zone. And this message ties into that well. Uh, It's a great story about Jesus. And it's honestly a reminder for myself while I'm up here preaching, uh, you know, that I need to step out of my comfort zone. So if you guys have your Bible, if you would, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. So just to give you guys a little bit of context of what's just taken place, Jesus had just completed feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish. And at camp, we normally feed 100 to 120, maybe 140 on a really good week. So thinking about feeding 5,000 people, I'm just like, oh my gosh, think about the mess, think about the, you know, the toilets afterwards, all that stuff. I clean way too many toilets, that's on my mind too much, but, uh, but you know, the dishes, all that stuff. So that's what has just taken place, and I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 14, 22 through 24. And it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by the, oh, I'm sorry, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So, real quick, anyone here ever had a bad experience on the water, in a boat, kayak, anything, swimming, nobody, just me, man, um, so growing up in Oklahoma, we would go down to this lake called Lake Texoma. It was on the Oklahoma-Texas border, and we had the lake house down here, cousins, grandparents. we just make a whole big thing out of it, especially around the 4th of July. That was, that was one of my favorite times growing up, fireworks, ice cream, you know, chocolate sheet cake, all that stuff. We just we would go fishing, do all this fun stuff. So the big thing to do down there was to go take your boat, go sit on the lake, watch the fireworks. And we had a pontoon boat at the time, and the, you know, the max capacity was eight people. Well, you know, being a normal person, it's like, well, they just say that. They don't really mean that. So we put 12 on there. You know, what's the worst that could happen? 
So, like I said, I'm not great at math or anything, but something's not adding up uh, whenever we think about that. So, sitting out there, 150 boats, you know, massive houseboats, all this stuff, and uh, the show's over. I fall asleep on my mother's lap, and we're driving back in. Massive houseboat comes by, sends a huge wave, capsizes the front of the boat. So, boat's starting to go like that. My father was driving the boat, decided just to you know, give it as much gas as possible, so gasses it, you know, driving the nose even further into the water. So I wake up to everyone screaming, hollering, shoes are going everywhere, everyone's taking off running to the back of the boat. And so guess what happens then when all the way to the back of the boat? Pops out of the water, the back of the boat starts to go underwater. So we were kind of like a teeter-totter there. Um, as you guys can probably see, we're about to speak about Jesus walking on water. I honestly don't know if I was more comfortable being in the boat or if I should have been on the water. I don't know which one would have been safer. After we get done with this message, I'll let you guys tell me what you think. So let's dive back in and read uh, verses 25 through 26. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. So for those of you that don't know, the fourth watch of the night was 3 to 6 a.m. So they had left somewhere in the afternoon, evening time, the night, the day before, and had been fighting against waves, you know, just this nasty storm in this boat. And I don't know about you guys, but if I kayak upstream for half a mile, I think I need to take a week off work because I'm so exhausted. So, you know, I've, I've kind of wondered, you know, why would they think that Jesus was a ghost? Well, I was like, well, they're probably a little bit delusional. They're worn out. You know, has anyone been worn out, you know, from a long day's work and then not made, you know, a super great judgment decision? Anyone? Maybe just me. But um, so, you know, that's, that's one question that, uh, you know, why would they think that he was a ghost? If I was in that position, I probably would have felt the same way. But let's go ahead and continue reading, and it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I'm not sure about you guys, but I can't wait to get to heaven. I have a lot of questions for a lot of these people in the Bible. Like, Peter, what are you thinking? You've just seen, you've been with Jesus this whole time. He just fed 5,000 people, and you're sitting here questioning, like, oh, well, if this is really you, tell me to walk out there. So needless to say, I have, I have a bunch of questions for some people um, in the Bible. So why do you guys think that he would doubt Jesus? You know, what, why would Peter ask a question like that? Do you think it was fear? Um, you know, doubt crept into his mind. Maybe he was like, you know, why would somebody be walking on water right now? This isn't making sense. And then I got to thinking, a lot of ways, we're the same way in a lot of ways. We witness all these miracles or read about them in the Bible, and we know that God has the power to do anything, but we're never satisfied. We continue to ask questions, asking for more. We see him working or guiding us, and we question if it's him, or test him, or you know, even better yet, Lord, if I do this, then you have to do this. Or, God, if this is really you, do blank. God, if this is really you, go ahead and give me a $30,000 raise. God, if you really want me to go teach Sunday school, you will make sure that, you know, whatever this may be, whatever, you know, fill in your own blank there. But, you know, I've 
been guilty of doing that plenty of times. And sometimes, you know, I wonder, you know, Peter, you know, why are you pushing the limits? And, you know, we're not supposed to do that with God. And, you know, just goes back to, I've got a lot of questions for you. Uh, Let's see. All right, so let's go ahead and finish the chapter. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. There's a book written by John Ortenberg called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. And in that book, he has a quote that reads, Whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself Your boat is whatever you have tempted to put your trust in, especially when life gets stormy. You are so comfortable, you are afraid to give it up, even when it means not joining Jesus on the waves. Your boat keeps you safe, pulls you away from fully committed discipleship. Your boat keeps you safe, but it also keeps you what? You know, answering the call that you feel like God is leading you to. Becoming okay, becoming comfortable with with being uncomfortable. I think that becoming comfortable, yeah, with, with being uncomfortable, um, you know, serving God. Because in a lot of ways, us as Christians, we're not, it's not going to be a comfortable ride. We were never promised, hey, this is going to be smooth sailing. You're baptized, you go to church, you do all this. Good luck, we'll see you in heaven. You know, it's, you know, honestly, it's tough. It's one of the toughest decisions because you are no longer living for yourself. You are here, you know, to serve others, to serve God. And, you know, one, I have two examples that I'm going to go over. I'm sorry for all the personal stories, but uh, there was a camper a couple of years ago. We're talking about being uncomfortable. Um, camper went to our church, uh, bad home life. Uh, mom, not in the picture at all. Dad in the hospital a lot. Mainly young middle schooler and older high schooler brother. And, you know, we were like, man, like, we really need to invest in this kid. We need to do all that we can do. So what are we going to do? We sign him up for three weeks of camp. First week, he gets there. First night, get three phone calls. About 8 o'clock, 1030, midnight. Causing a ruckus. He's stealing stuff. He's trying to sneak out. He's doing all this stuff. The kid tried to, or he did successfully, submerge a kayak about half a mile down the river, fully engulfed in water. Um, You know, he's trying to kiss girls. He's trying to do all this stuff. And I was just so aggravated. Like, why? God, why did you let me bring this kid here if he's going to cause me nothing but all this trouble? You know, Camp is already crazy enough as as it is. I don't need all this extra stress. I'm uncomfortable. And the comfortable thing for me would have been, hey, guess what, buddy? You're not coming back the next two weeks. You're done. So uh, after about the fifth phone call, uh, we we had a a sit-down chat as a staff, and we're like, what do we do? And we all agreed, like, hey, this kid, if anything, needs to be here more than a lot of these kids because, you know, we, if he goes home, he's not going to have any guidance at all. He's not going to have people trying to pour into his spiritual life. So we decided, hey, next week 
we're going to let him come back. And so, you know, a couple of weeks go by, and then his week rolled around again. And it was almost like kind of standing in the mirror, like pumping yourself up, like, yes, I've got to be on my toes this week. I'm going to be fully ready. So first night he gets there, guess what? Getting a phone call. Oh, you know, such camper is doing this. The next night something happens, though. I'm not sure it was the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the only thing it could have been. But uh, we bring in a special guest speaker, and um, I believe that he had you know a pretty rough upbringing. He was able to relate to this camper um, in, in some way that a lot of us couldn't. And he touched something, and I get a phone call again, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What, what do I have to do to teach this kid? And they go, no, 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 this is a good one. He's talking about wanting to get baptized. I'm like, oh my gosh, like something's hit. That was, that was just such an amazing thing. And then, you know, me and my wife, we got talking about it. And it was like, I was this close to not letting this kid come back to camp. I was uncomfortable. I didn't, you know, he was making my life difficult. I was losing sleep at night. I was having to get up in the middle of the night and go down to camp and help to handle a lot of these situations. And so that's kind of what I'm getting at here. We have to be okay with being uncomfortable when we're serving Christ. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be, we're going to have to get our hands dirty a lot of the times. There are going to be many times that God's going to call you to do something that is uncomfortable if you're truly seeking his will, kind of like we've been talking about. Uh, that's where true growth is going to take place. Let me tell you, Owen getting baptized. I'm sorry. You guys didn't hear that name. Um, but uh, him getting baptized he uh, did a lot for me. Trust me. Like, you don't think that my, you know, faith in God, my spiritual growth was affected by seeing that young man, you know, give his life to Christ. Now, was everything sunshine and rainbows the rest of that week? No, not at all. Still had a few issues, but I was just so glad that we did not give up on him and uh, that the Holy Spirit was working in him. One more example. I'm sorry again. Uh, you know, talking about being uncomfortable and God works and moves in our uncertainty. You know, Peter, he was in an uncertain position there on the boat. I don't know if any of you have experienced maybe a near-death experience, but, you know, I would say that Peter was probably pretty hysterical, thinking that he might capsize, stuff like that. So we're talking about God working in times of uncertainty. So 2020, I was getting ready to graduate. Uh, it's January of 2020, so the New Year's just hit. I get married to my wife. Uh, we move in. Uh, Grayson, I'm working full-time at a bank. Pretty cushy job. Um, wife has a good job. Uh, we're living there in Grayson, finishing up school. Everything's pretty, you know, pretty normal. And Andrew, the previous facilities director, calls me and says, Hey, there's a position opening up at Howes Mill. I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I've never been to Howes Mill, but I, I know it's a church camp, so, you know, let's, uh, let's go see about, uh, about what this job entails. So I go meet with Tim, and he, you know, tells me, like, hey, we're trying to start some type of ministry launch here. We're not really sure what it looks like, but, uh, you know, we're really excited about it. There's a house here. And I was like, okay, like, well, like, what's the pay? He says, 10 weeks of pay. I don't know about you guys, but there's quite a few more weeks than 10 in a year. So um, we're like, that's, that's not great. But uh, anyway, so we, we take it home. We, we pray about it. 
trying to figure it out. And then guess what happens in March of 2020? Anybody remember what takes place? Yeah, COVID. So, not guaranteed job security, not guaranteed pay, all this stuff, and COVID hits. We're not sure if we're going to have camp. We prayed about it, and we just honestly reached a point where we, we both felt, me and my wife both felt that God was pushing us into this ministry. I didn't go to school to be in ministry. I went to school to play football and go home and work on the ranch. And guess what? I got married. A lot of that stuff changes. God has worked in me in so many different ways that uh, what I thought was going to take place did not. But we felt God was pushing us to go into this ministry and it's been nothing short of the biggest blessing of my life. The best decision I ever made was to, you know, get into ministry and work at the camp. He's provided in so many ways. My faith has grown exponentially. It's it's just been the biggest blessing. But talking about, you know, uncertainty and probably what Peter felt on the boat, you know, step out of the boat and have some faith is what me and my wife had to do. And, you know, we're we're so thankful that we did. So to get back on track a little bit, we're talking about stepping out of your comfort zone. That's the whole point of this message. I know I'm rambling and telling a bunch of random stories. I'm sorry, guys. But um, to get back on track, we're talking about stepping out of our comfort zones. So, for example, we would all probably agree that exercising, running, biking, lifting, whatever, whatever it may be, is pretty uncomfortable, right? Like it's not something that we just love to do. You have to mentally push yourself. Uh, you have to get sweaty, which is like my biggest pet peeve, and you know you have to like do it on a consistent basis. You have to be consistent with it um, because if you don't, if you eat whatever you want, you don't do any kind of an exercise, you're not going to see any you know change on your outward appearance. In a lot of ways, growth in Christ is the same way. You can't just show up to church on Sunday and Wednesday, not read His Word, just check a box and leave. And then do whatever you want. Just be a totally different person when you're in church and when you're out of church. Um, because that's not how we grow as Christians. And we have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable um, to grow. So the whole point of this message is we're talking about growth and it coming from putting your faith in Christ. To be willing to step out and take that leap of faith. To be you know, Peter and step out of the boat and walk towards Jesus what, what is your boat? What, what is holding you back from fully pursuing a relationship with Christ? We've all got them. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of the serious ones. It could be an addiction to alcohol, porn, drugs, pills, whatever that may be. Or it could be some, your boat could be, you know, something that the world would view as something positive. Um, you know, a comfort zone of, you know, I'm going to... You know, stay in this job because I'm comfortable, which past experience I could have done. I'm glad, so glad I didn't be, or I didn't do that, not didn't be. Um, you know, a relationship, we, we don't invite a friend to church because we're comfortable within that relationship, within, you know, the confines of we hang out outside of church, we don't really talk about church, we're scared about how they would view us if we did bring it up. You know, what, what is your boat is what we're really trying to get to. And you may think that there's no way that I could step out of this boat. You may think that there's, you know, this is too much for me to bear. There's no way that I could overcome this. And one of my favorite verses, whenever I'm struggling with something like this, is 1 Corinthians 10, 
uh, 12 through 14, Paul is saying, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not also let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Well, you may think that that sounds like, well, that's like, you know, back to the real serious stuff that he was talking about earlier, you know, alcohols, drugs, whatever that may be. You know, my stuff is not that bad. Well, I like to look at it as, you know, not all of them are that serious, but our comfort zones are idols that take the place of Christ. You know, for me, watching sports is a massive comfort zone for me. There's nothing I love more than going home after work, sitting down, watching the Pirates get beat, which they haven't been getting beat very much lately. Um, you know, watching Sunday football, whatever, whatever that is, there's a lot of different things that take the place of Christ that we put up here that, you know, kind of messes with our spiritual growth. And so, you know, you have to be very conscientious about it and, and truly work towards it. But that verse just, you know, we're not going to face anything that mankind hasn't already faced. We're, we're going to, God's going to provide a way for us to get out of it is what I really take from that. And you guys may be upset with me saying, well, this guy's just coming up here saying, I've got all these issues, i got all these boats. Um, yeah, has anyone counted how many times I've said boats today? I would like to know the, what that was. But, uh, but listen, if you, if you knew my life and you knew my history, you would be like, good gosh, that guy's running a Bass Pro Shop. He's got so many boats in his life. Um, you know, But you are witnessing me today step out of one of those boats because me standing up here talking for more than five minutes is way past my comfort zone. You have no idea the anxiety I had this morning. I I woke up at about 6.30 and was just like, just so tense and like, man, like what's a way that I can get out of this? And I was like, no, you know, you cannot do this. You drove all this way and they are counting on you and you are here to glorify the Lord. But it's difficult and I understand that it's difficult. But I want to go back to my main point. God works in times of uncertainty. Uh, when we have little faith, he is faithful. You know, in a lot of ways, whenever we read about Peter um, stepping out of the boat and falling in, in a lot of ways we're the same way, you know, and we see kids at camp that way. Um, you know, the, the young man that was baptized when I was there, went home, and whenever, you know, we're not around, uh, they got in some trouble and uh, has ended up in foster care and some stuff. So I actually, it was just one of those, like, freak things. I haven't seen him, was in the social work program, uh, he was, and uh, hadn't seen him or been able to contact him for over a year. I'm sitting at Dick's Sporting Goods doing a shop days, and he shows up at my table, and... Like, it almost scared me. Like, I was literally almost like the disciples in the boat, like, oh, my gosh, it's a ghost. You know, I was just shocked. And so we're getting him to come back to camp this year. So that was just one thing, um, you know, that, that really inspired me. But in a lot of ways, whenever we're stepping out of the boat, we may just want to go, oh, like, let me step out. Let me put my toes in the water and see, you know, if I'm really going to be about this or not. Or we step out just like Peter did, start to walk towards Jesus 
and then take our eyes off Jesus. Has anyone else struggled with something like that? You come out, you're on fire for the Lord. You're growing. You're going to small groups. You're investing, you know, in your spiritual growth with your wife. You're doing, you know, whatever it is that is helping you grow. You're spending more time in your prayer closet. You're listening to worship music. And then something over here kind of gets, catches our eyes. So we turn, and what do we do? We fall. But guess who's there to catch us? Our Lord and Savior. So, if you guys don't take anything away from what I've had to say today, <clears throat> just remember to step out of your boat. I don't care if you're four years old. I don't care if you're 90 years old. There's a, something that we're all still struggling with. I've struggled with something my entire life. I've struggled with plenty of things my entire life. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to give up. I'm going to continue to try to step out of my boat. You know, we just celebrated Easter not too long ago and, you know, celebrating the resurrection of Christ, him dying that horrible death upon that cross. And whenever you get to thinking about it, we as Christians, you know, like, well, we're, we're really comfortable. Um, I don't really want to talk to a stranger and maybe invite him to church because that would take me out of my comfort zone. And then we, you know, we celebrate Easter and we talk about what Jesus did for us and it's like, Is it not the least that we could do is step out of our little comfort bubble and, you know, try and help grow the kingdom for God? I get really fired up whenever I think about that and just think about, you know, not necessarily like disappointed in myself, but like, hey, like I need to do better. You know, we as Christians have done a horrible job and in a lot of ways we've done some good stuff, I would say. But, you know, we are missing the mark in a lot of ways. And I'm I'm learning just like many of you are, but... You know, we have to continue to try and push and get out of our comfort zone. So like I said, if you don't remember anything, please remember that I'm the guy that kept saying the word boat. Uh, Boat, you know, let's be like Peter and step out of the boat and continue to walk towards Jesus and not take our eyes off him. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.